0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast, this is Julia here and today we have an awesome interview with fellow artist and friend Stephanie Brosard. Stephanie and I went to undergrad together, and she but she's currently pursuing her MFA in painting at Washington State University. We talk all about the, her work that she's currently creating for her thesis project and all about what her work is about, which is space and the complex human experience. We also chat about her approach to color and how she just generally um, has come to find painting as an outlet for herself. So we really love this conversation and we really appreciate Stephanie coming on the show because we actually had her on before and had a whole other episode that we had recorded, but I had an old janky computer that I have since now upgraded, but it crashed and I lost our first episode which is so sad but we love this conversation just as much so thank you Stephanie for taking the time to come back on and chat with us we really enjoyed it Um, we'll have you on a hundred more times because you're so fun to talk to and I know you guys are all going to love this conversation so without further ado here is our interview with Stephanie Stephanie what is new (laughs) since we last spoke? A lot I'm making a
1: thesis (laughs) And I've decided to make seven really large paintings in the span of like two and a half months. So wow. I'm I'm working on like three six foot by five foot paintings and then one six foot by four foot paintings. Oh my god. I just made two fifty by fifty inch paintings and then one fifty by sixty-eight inch painting <laughs> oh for my thesis. Awesome. And I have my show in March. So I have to hang it up in March. Okay, yeah, that's soon. That's soon. No pressure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't have to hang it up till the end of March. So I I mean, I'm the crazy one who decided like, I wasn't satisfied with any of the, you know, 50 paintings I've already made since being here. So yeah. I'm deciding to make all new work. I think it's the, the painter's dilemma where you're never quite satisfied with exactly. what you've done and you always think you can do better. Yeah, I, on top of that, I have to write a thesis. <laughs> It's a lot. I also, in terms of graduating, I actually found out in my MFA program, they gave everyone the option of a third year so they could stay an extra year because of COVID, which is great. But I didn't want to do that because I've been in a long distance relationship for about mm-hmm. two years and I mm-hmm. went straight to my master's degree after my bachelor's degree. So I'm pretty ready to just be done with school <laughs> and to, you know, be in real life. So I actually ended up with a solo show because everyone else in my cohort decided to take the third year and That's the awesome. show is in a museum yeah. next to the school. So I get a solo museum show for my MFA show, which is pretty cool.
2: You'll have to live stream it for us so we can be there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I <laughs> I'm definitely gonna do some recording and, and talk about it. But yeah. I'm pretty excited, but I have a lot I have to do until that point. So I can't be quite excited yet.
0: Do you feel like there's extra pressure because it's just you? Is that kind of also a part of it? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, it's good. I, I, I thrive under this pressure mm-hmm. and having that deadline because it's forcing me to paint literally every day. Mm-hmm. Like yesterday, I painted from about 10 a.m. until 11 p.m. Oh, wow. Um, and I worked on half of a six foot by five foot painting the entire day. Jeez. So it's it's good. I have only really been working since halfway through January. So I've already pretty much finished about 3 of the 7. I feel like okay. I'm on track. I still have a lot of painting to do, so I'm I'm trying not to get stressed out and be like if I just plug away every day, it'll come to fruition yeah it
2: will is this
0: the paintings that are going to be in your thesis the ones you've been like teasing a little bit on instagram recently are those yeah, the ones exactly. well I have to say I love them I, I was gonna say that to you I, I'm obsessed with them and I really do think that they I don't know like I really think be, you are definitely like taking it up a notch with like the, the how big mm-hmm. they are and I don't know what it is like I love how you're overlaying and then like reflecting is that correct like you kind mm-hmm. of yeah. so one thing I should say I mean I'll let you explain your work obviously we'll get into that some more but like how you are so into like layering compositions it, as a part mm-hmm. of your practice it, I mean I mean correct me if I'm wrong but that's what it seems like to oh me. no that's totally it yeah <laughs> <Nailed> it.
1: yeah <laughs> so I kind of had a a moment over so over the winter break I went back to my hometown, and I just needed to get away from the studio and get away from painting for a little bit, because I definitely get in my head about what I'm doing. I So over the past year and a half, throughout my journey in grad school, I have been kind of just winging my compositions. Mm -hmm. So I started out making collages, and then painting from those collages, but a lot of the like content within those was super hyper personal and things that related directly to my life. So there was kind of a barrier between like, how someone could enter the work because of how hyper personal it was. I kind of transitioned into making these paintings of, I was like appropriating classical painters. And I was appropriating like, Picasso. And then I was overlaying that with my own imagery. And like, I made these paintings that were the size of my bed and my partner on top of me in that bed. And then I was thinking a lot about like landscape and space. And that's kind of where I found myself is Mm -hmm. I've been I've been taking my own images and then painting the spaces that I've been to on road trips I go on with my partner. And then I was overlaying images of us on top of that space. for instance, like, and you could see the space through the figure because I was just outlining the figure using line. But through all of that, I wasn't, I was kind of just winging it in terms of like, oh, I'll put the space and then I'll see how I want to put the figure on top of that space. And for these images that I'm working on now, I actually, because I have so little time to work on it, and I don't have as much time to, to play around, I actually composed all of these images I'm working on on Photoshop and then I've been projecting those images onto my canvas and then working on them based off of that image that I've already pre-constructed and so I think I've learned my lesson in that it's it's good to plan sometimes and that it's really good to mess around with things in a digital sphere prior to like just directly painting Mm -hmm. and I think that there's this like stigma in painting around like Oh, it has to be pure. You have mm-hmm. to, you have to just like draw it from a photo or from mm-hmm. life. And the moment you bring in like the digital aspects of it, for some painters, definitely
2: not all of them,
0: it gets to be,
2: it it's like almost a like a mixed
0: media or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and
2: well, it's not about that for me. Yeah, and I think just from someone who came from fine art to digital art and fine art back again. There's Mm -hmm. almost, like, this stigma or, like, this judginess or pressure in the art community that you're cheating. Yeah. Like, if you're going to go to your iPad first and sketch it out, that you're, like, cutting corners or projecting it. Just even that. And I can say at one point in my life, I used to... I was a judge. Um, I was like, oh, they actually can't draw it freehand. They actually project it and trace it mm-hmm. but I was like no that's just like a tool it's a resource it's yes and and that's what I think everyone needs to learn to shape things like art is art like it, there's no rules that's the thing mm-hmm. <laughs> who cares if someone takes um, a photo and then drops it into photoshop and pushes up the threshold to create layers if that helps them visualize it better then good for them um, yeah I think that's. I think it's great that you've like discovered that and tapped into that resource mm-hmm. and figured out like it's work. It sounds like it's working for you and maybe helping you take your work to the next level. And maybe it's helping time with that. Um, mm-hmm. I do have a question about the thesis part of it, just knowing mm-hmm. that obviously as a painter and more of a visual person, when you say you have to write a thesis, like for those that aren't aware of like what that means, like what does it mean to you and your project or your gallery uh, or exhibit um, Mm -hmm. to explain like, is this thesis to explain what your exhibit's about or what you want people to take away from it? I'd love to hear about even just your thoughts on like having to write (laughs) opposed to just letting people interpret, interpret it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's honestly kind of amazing how much, leeway they've actually given for this writing compared to what I was expecting and so in actuality it you would think like you hear the word thesis and you're like oh it must be like an explanation or I know that some people actually write poetry about their work some of it use it as supplementation to their work I'm using my thesis as a means of like describing my research and my process and how I've gotten to this point Mm -hmm. and like different symbols and aspects of the work that are important to me in relationship to the creative process. And so, I mean, in my work, I I'm talking about such a like huge subject, which is space. Like, space affects all of us and everything around that exists in space affects us. And so like, how do I pare that down yeah. into a way of writing it? So all of the paintings, these seven paintings that I'm making all have to do with different kind of ways that space affects us. And so right now, what I'm writing about, and what I'm thinking and conceptualizing in my work is Um, So I'm thinking about distance and closeness, um, especially in relationship right now to being in like a long distance relationship and COVID and thinking how that all affects us. Um, I'm also making an image about or I'm making a painting about presence and absence, what it means to be present, what it means to be absent um inside and outside in a physical sense like inside of your house versus outside of your house um i'm also making one on spiritual and physical and there's one more on there that i'm missing <laughs> what is it it'll come like to you, it'll <laughs> come to you. <laughs> yeah it'll come to me but yeah so i'm I'm writing about these different ways that space is more of a conversation between us and how we exist in the world as opposed to us being the constant effectors of space because I think that as humans we have a tendency to think oh well I exist in this world and I can move everything around and I'm mm-hmm. in complete control when in reality that's not the trick at all. Yeah
0: well Surprise. I especially liked how what you said about COVID yeah. and the space because I really I do know, that just, like, hits home for me, because I there's so many people who are, like, for example, like in a hospital, who, like, you can't be in their space, like, you can't yeah. be near them any, like, right now, because of, and how many people, my family has COVID right now, and so, like, we, I can't be, like, near them, but obviously it's, like, very difficult, and so, like, I really, I really think that this is, your work is coming at a very interesting and um, important time. I think it's really cool that you're well, focusing on. I that. do
2: too. And just to chime in on that space, I think of also with COVID, it makes us uncomfortable now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sucks me apart. Yeah, I mean, waiting in yeah. line to just I don't know. I'm trying to think of I was like in the Apple store line outside, and yeah. there was someone that was getting close, and I felt uncomfortable, and I wanted to be like, mm-hmm. back to your little stamp, like go to your sticker, stand there. But it's just mm-hmm. crazy to think, like in a million, like the only time I, I mean, I think about being on the train and you're just like up and I mean you could smell someone's deodorant. You're so yeah. close to them. And now Yeah. And you don't even complain.
0: And even in that. in like <laughs> restaurants now, like we're we're limited in capacity, so like what used to be when you go to a restaurant and be like a bustling sort of scene of like a lot of people at a bar it's like that doesn't exist anymore yep. currently it it just i mm-hmm. think our all of ours all of our perspectives on space and especially relation to each other has completely shifted during mm-hmm.
2: this i think it's a beautiful
0: yeah it's, i'm like, i am excited for you this is a really cool topic right now I space thanks
2: i'm in excited space too like Yeah. When you think about it mm-hmm. like a hug or comfort but then there's also uncomfortable like there's just it's I'm very excited to see how it all pans out and comes together and everyone help people interpret it because I think it definitely takes some time to absorb even just for the past like 15-20 minutes of you talking through it it took me time to really fully understand it, let it the idea and concept sink in and now and it's it's the process and I think it's beautiful.
0: Well, I especially love. I mean, one of the paintings I, I saw briefly. on, I think it was your story. I'm not sure if you posted it yet, but it was the one with the landscape. And I think it was like reflected. Like one was more of a night scene, or like kind of a desert scene. I like, I could be totally wrong on this, but mm-hmm. I just loved how there like was the contrast of color. Just like two very different landscapes. So, can you talk about how you're in, how you're incorporating landscape? Oh, wait, is it that one? Yes, yes, it's that one. <laughs> oh, cool behind Stephanie right now is is this is this painting I'm talking about
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so in the construction of these images so the one behind me that we're talking about is of me and my partner embracing each other and hugging each other and so the landscapes on each side as opposed to being like the traditional vertical or horizontal I've made them vertical Mm -hmm. to where they're Um, I wanted it to feel as though the landscape around each of the figures was hugging them in. Mm -hmm. So the landscape around each of the figures was also synonymous with the embrace of the two of us. And so here Um, I'm, I made the, I wanted, I've been using a very specific palette in these. I've been using like ultramarine blue um, Hansa yellow light, cadmium orange, and cadmium red, and that's it, as well as white. Wow. And so I wanted the cool and warm to be reflective of each other and to have that contrast between the figure and the space around it, but I wanted them to be affecting each other. And so there would be kind of a wrap around between each of the figures within the space.
0: I'm um... obsessed with
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> <So cool. laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so I uh, that's gonna be the centerpiece of uh, the triptych I just have been working on, and the two on the outside are of me and my partner on <laughs> thrones, and we're <laughs> alone and have masks on, and the landscape in which we are living in right now are showing through and coming through that figure as a means of like affecting the space or like how the space affects you in what you are doing and what you're trying to accomplish
2: yeah
0: well i i think it's so cool how also you've limited your palette like you said i'm i'm currently reading a book about color and it's so funny i just even the first couple pages of this book um she she was saying like okay you only need like I think it's maybe like nine colors and I like almost had a panic attack because I'm somebody who has like 50 colors like out at once but it's so it's so crazy (laughs) it's so crazy though because I I think that just in reading it so far I realized how it's actually I don't know like her colors are so like rich as a result of like keeping it simple and I really think that you accomplished that well in the paintings that you're currently doing I really love it yeah How, it's been so, hard sorry. it's been hard I'm yeah. right there with you yeah. I
1: also I mean if you look at my table of paints it's like 50 tubes of yeah. different colors <laughs> yeah. and it's definitely difficult to pare down your colors especially when you love color it's like yeah. you want to utilize you you're like oh I want the rainbow I want all of it I want all of that richness but it's hard like learning that less is more sometimes is like a very hard truth that I still am trying to figure out
0: yeah well you kind of let when you pare it down so much and then you if you kind of let a certain color you know really sing and really become like the jewel of the painting rather than it's just like a one jewel among many it kind of just like shines through and I really think you've done that well and I, I have another question so like like you just said you know you are somebody who is very colorful and likes to have a lot of color in your art um how do you so how do you normally approach color in a painting
2: mm-hmm.
0: oh man I know <laughs> sorry <laughs> it's a doozy yeah, that's a heavy yeah. one yeah
1: <laughs> so I think that the way I'm approaching color right now is totally different than the way I I used to approach color super intuitively. Yeah, I was just like, oh, I like this and this, and I very I often just use complementary colors in a lot of the work that I do, and lately I've been pretty much just paring it down to primary colors, hmm. um, and I. I've been using these colors specifically because I had this experience when I was driving back home from um, Thanksgiving. I saw the sun go down behind my car and the moon rise. And as the sun was reflecting into the landscape, there was this beautiful gradient that went from like that, it was that traditional kind of sunset color, but toned down. And it was really muted and it was really, it had this really, it was just beautiful. And I took so many photos. And I decided that that was a sign from the universe, whatever you want to call it that I needed to use these colors. And also as a means of kind of like reflecting on cycles. Mm -hmm. So this, this thesis show is the end of me being in an institution. It's the end of me being in school but it's also the beginning. So I was thinking about it in terms of like, it's, it may be becoming night, but that doesn't mean it's also becoming day soon. Right. And those same colors reflect each other. Yeah. So it has kind of the sunset sun, sun sunrise, color scheme. Um, and so in terms of I honestly, a lot of times I just picked colors I really liked. Yeah. And now I'm trying to be more intentional. And, um, you know, appropriate colors and steel colors that I like and use that in my work. Because if you see a palette you like, just take it. it. You'll use it differently. Yeah.
2: What's your favorite three colors right now, would you say?
1: Oh, man. You don't have to limit to three.
2: I would say just what are your top favorite colors that you're a go-to currently in your work? If you have. Right now,
1: ultramarine blue. (laughs) I love ultramarine blue right now. Um, Especially when you put a little white in it and it becomes this kind of like really beautiful indigo.
0: Love me some yellow ochre Mm -hmm. and then cadmium orange. I think it's interesting how like the limitations that you've given yourself with color have kind of set forth like a whole new body of work that I feel like mm-hmm. is really like also very clear in its um, message too. Like, I don't know if that makes sense. Like the, like the pairing mm-hmm. down of the colors, like makes the message clearer. Yeah, absolutely. Do you find that the case to be the case for you or? Yeah, I think
1: also limiting my palette has also made me realize how important grays are. Yes. Which is the hardest thing for me to learn because I, I really, lo- I, my paintings have been so saturated for so long and this go around this body of work, I'm learning the importance of gray and how I can use that to manipulate the viewer's eye to mm-hmm. go to specific parts yeah. of the painting. yeah, and that is a really in by so for instance, in that palette that I have paired down to, I can use that ultramarine blue and I can mix that with some either some cadmium orange or cadmium red, and I get kind of this like, purple or grayish tone. And right. then I add a little bit of white and then, wow, suddenly I either have like a warm gray or a, a blue gray. And I think by pairing it down, it has also allowed me to explore like the, how versatile a single color or just a couple colors can actually be yeah. on a palette. Cause I, I mix all my paints prior to starting to work. And I have this huge glass palette that I use and I I used to only use really half of it and now that I've pared it down, I actually am able to like use the entire palette and and
0: mix all of that color.
2: Yeah. That's very impressive, I must say. <laughs> you know what's funny
0: is I had a professor who so I used to do that where I used to like mix all my colors beforehand. And mm-hmm. I think it was Richard Hall. Do you remember him from? Yeah, yeah. I think we were in that class together. I forget we were in that same class, and he found it so weird that I mixed my colors beforehand. Like he was, it's kind of like you know, like the argument of like you know, should the toilet paper roll go over or like under? <laughs> and that's what I felt like it was like he looked at me like I was an alien that I like mixed my colors before. <laughs> and like anyway, so I feel like since then I've I've not been, I've not done that because he oh. like. <laughs> <laughs> but I do. You changed me, yeah, but um do you mix as you go? I mix as I go now. Um oh, but I kind of miss I kind of miss it like mixing beforehand cuz I once again I think it the mm. reason I had been doing that was because I am also very intuitive with color and I'll just like just go at it on the on mm. the canvas and I won't pause as much and think like oh wait, does that color really go with that one? Um, but the pre-mixing at least gives me, but it makes me like stop and like look at the colors altogether Mm -hmm. on the palette. And so like, I feel like I'm going to start doing that again because look, once again, I think when you are somebody who's super into color and into just like throwing it all on the canvas, when you have to give yourself a pause, Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I think it's, it's usually distance is a good thing. (laughs) So yeah.
2: Also, uh, you use acrylic, right?
0: I do use acrylic now, and I use watercolor, too.
2: So, for me, who doesn't use a ton of colors, so I tend to mix before I begin, because what I've found for me is it's so hard to get that exact color I've already mixed in the beginning that I love again, and then I'll apply it, i um, doing my painting, and then I put it on, and I have to repaint that whole entire color to match the new batch. So that's something mm-hmm. that I've, like, run into multiple times, so I'm like, oh. Okay, like, let's just stick with, because I'm, I sometimes will take three colors and just work with three and they all blend in with each other to create those subtle tones and hues. And grays, uh, yeah. But I definitely, because I used to do a mix as I go, but then I kept painting too much over my art because of it. <laughs> like, you
0: couldn't get, like, the same color again, so you'd have to, like, go back exactly. to, yeah, mm-hmm. I feel that.
2: Especially with green.
0: Yeah, greens are tough, man. Greens are brutal. Yeah. Are- <laughs> 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 yeah,
2: I also found
1: with acrylic, because it dries so fast, I I feel the pressure to work
0: really fast. Yeah, that know? is also part of it. Like, if you mix greens it are- beforehand, yeah. Yeah, try. it's hard yeah. to
2: know the drying process, what color. Like, if it's, when you lay it on, it's going to be a different color regardless. So you can't mm-hmm. really tell if it's off or not off. Yeah, the with the-
1: With acrylic, I definitely like mix as I go because of how fast it dries. Mm -hmm. And I also don't really use a medium when I use acrylic. I really should, but I I don't. I should too.
0: I I should use like a- a, I just use water. I actually, it's funny enough, like I have a ton of mediums for acrylic and I just like, they just sit there. Like I don't use them and I absolutely Mm -hmm. should because and there's a lot that will like slow the drying time that you can put in Mm -hmm. so that I could do more with it. And it could, you know, slow down that process. So it acts a little bit more like oil paint in that way. Um, yeah, I think there's so I don't know what it is. I also okay. I don't know if this is actually a thing, but I've I've definitely felt this lately. Do you think that there's a little bit of like, oh, oil paint versus like acrylic paint, and there's a little bit of like oil paint is like considered like oh, like you're a real artist if you paint totally. with oil paint versus yeah, acrylic. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: So many people don't use oil paint. Like when you really talk to artists, most people aren't using them because of the the toxicity. Like you know, you need good airflow. You need the space to use it. Um, I mean, most people that I know that I talk to actually don't use it. But I do think that is a very true statement that a lot of people do think that's like the elevated. Like that is that oil is paint, a, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> do you are there is there any are there any artists in your program that are strictly acrylic? Or no. everyone's oil. See, that's, that's what I mean. Like oil, yeah, or
2: watercolor.
1: I, my roommate actually, she's a watercolor. She does watercolor video installation. She's kind of a mixed media artist. But well, I think it's also different because we have studios that are ventilated, yeah. so we yes. have that opportunity. And I also feel like we need to stop being like, oh, it's acrylic versus oil. Like yeah, they're <laughs> they're very different. And they have very different properties and some of them are better for better things. Yeah. It just depends on what you're doing. Yeah. And I, I use oil because I, I really like the slow and methodical nature of it and how I can blend things. And I don't have to, I don't feel as rushed as I do Mm -hmm. when I use acrylic, but like when I'm doing, when I'm painting non canvases or I'm making smaller paintings, I use acrylic. So and I think that both of them are great for different purposes. Like if I have to make something fast, like hell yeah, I'll use acrylic. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, And I don't think that we need to be like, oh, well acrylic isn't as good yeah. as oil. But I think that they're just different and they look different on depending on what you're making. Yeah, because
2: yeah, we had an artist on, our, our first artist that we had on actually, She's acrylic base. And when I think of her artwork, oil would not work. No. Cause she is very mm-hmm. like it flat. Is pop, it's pop art. It's very flat. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I guess it has a pop art spin that if you put an oil, it's going to add a di- I mean, it could, it would work, but it would have a whole different feeling to it. Um, mm-hmm. which is not the feeling I think she's going for. Um, she's, I would yeah. say it, it mimics a lot of a, a digital art graphic design feel on, but hand done right. and well, yeah. hand done on a canvas. Um, or now she's working on furniture which is super cool Mm -hmm. um but it it just shows like you it really truly has its space and um purpose for those reasons because you're not gonna I mean watercolor why do you choose to paint with watercolor versus acrylic because it just has a different different properties to it
1: yeah yeah and you also start differently depending on what you're using because I also with oil painting I usually start with a darker ground Mm -hmm. so I um I cover my entire canvas with either a solid color or I'll map it out and then I go on top of it with my lights and my highlights. Yeah, so cool. And with I also do that with acrylic too, but with watercolor you usually start yeah. off with a white white base. Like I've been seeing you, Julia, making all those uh <laughs> yes. those watercolors of Garfield Park Conservatory. Yes. I've been really enjoying them. Oh, thank you. And I've
0: I- I've been I've been loving them too. I don't think I'm gonna stop. <laughs>
2: You said it. Sp- I think that they're great.
0: Thank you. Yeah, people have really been responding to them.
2: I think it's, it's hard. great because it's accessible for people like to pick up and do it on their own, but it is a mm-hmm. very difficult technique until you, you have oh, to learn yeah. it.
0: And it's definitely yeah. so one of the main reasons Like I keep talking about these books that I've bought because I, I really want to get better at watercolor because I think watercolor is something that you have to think out beforehand because... Mm-hmm. You can't, like, wing it as much. You have to, like, because mm-hmm. you only... Once you put that pigment down, it's, like, it's not coming back up or it's going to get muddy really quick. Yeah. So, yeah. it's... It has a mind of its own. It has a mind of its own, and there's definitely a lot of, like, nuance that you have to accomplish in it, which I definitely feel like I enjoy going back and forth between watercolor and acrylic. I mean, they they, they act very differently. I mean, they both dry quickly but act so differently. One, you can just, like, cover it up so easily, Mm-hmm. But so, but it makes me, when I go from watercolor back to acrylic, appreciate, like, okay, like, let's actually think this out beforehand, you know, like, what colors are we gonna have pop here? Um, I actually, so speaking of, like, another, like, you know, toilet paper over, toilet paper under kind of arguments, like, yeah. some people are, like, <laughs> love the idea of a blank canvas and starting blank other people. I'm one in the camp of, you know, when I'm using acrylic covering it first because I, I don't know what it is about a blank canvas but it terrifies yeah, me same. do you think that there's I mean other than just like it terrifying you do you think there's actually a practical reason to start with a color beforehand? oh yeah yeah for sure I think if you
1: think back to like the impressionists so the reason why they they started with a white canvas specifically because they wanted that brightness to shine through. And to have that white, the, like that brilliant white gesso be shining through their pigment. Whereas if you look at Renaissance paintings, what they did is they started off with a um, burnt sienna. And then they added really thin glazes on top of that. Yeah. And I tend to lean more towards starting with a ground. Because if you start off with a color or something, that color is going to inform the rest of the painting and the yeah. rest of the palette and like if you miss something or if there's a little crack that color can even shine through right and i really like that because i i don't know what it is leaving a white white on the canvas just feels wrong to me i it just
2: feels un- it feels unfinished
1: yeah yeah
2: That's and what I've I, even if you're yeah. using white as your base you add a drop of gray or something like just a yellow yeah. something just to change the hue just a little bit so if it's on a, wa- mm-hmm. a white wall it's not flashing because you're never going to match the white wall because that's a whole nother color paint.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. What are, your, what are your thoughts on uh, painting edges of canvases or surfaces? Ooh.
2: Oh, man. Because Wait, I feel like, like around. Yeah. yeah,
1: the edge. Because I think so. I have been taping my edges because I want them to be crisp and white. But I know there are no. some people who paint their edges. I don't know. What are your thoughts? That's,
2: a, that's definitely a toilet paper.
1: <laughs> yeah
2: quick question again. I, I've gone back and forth. I will tend to tape it and not paint the edges, but then sometimes I'll hang it up and then go back and paint the edges, so it really just depends on what mm-hmm. the series is and how it fits within the space for me, because um, mm-hmm. I paint a lot of stuff that I hang in a home, so it's very much for the space first a collection, if that makes sense. Like I have a Mm -hmm. series of three um, musical artists of different genres that are going in sequence next to each other. And Mm -hmm. I didn't have the edges painted, but I've gone back because I want to make sure they all seem connected.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm definitely um, somebody who leaves the edges whites. I I don't know what it is. I don't, I really don't like (laughs) the wrapped around. I, I don't know what it is. I, me I, too. I, I don't... Okay, this is going to sound so... Like, once again, I just was saying before, like, you know, there's, like, the class structure of, like, acrylic versus oil, but I will say, I don't know what it is about the painting on the edges, but it it just kind of screams, like, it's a print that's been wrapped. Same. I yes. don't know what it is. It looks like, like shutter, it's, like, a jaclay. Like yeah, i Yeah, sure it's Like, it just, like, screams that to me, and I don't know... And I know that it can be done so well and it looks really cool if you can wrap it, but I think unless you're, it really ties into the meaning of the painting, because now you have like a 3D object, is how I mm-hmm. think of it. I don't yeah. know. So you were talking about how you took a break from painting and mm-hmm. you took time off to kind of just, you know, think about things. How do you like, incorporate that back into your practice when you are like kind of grinding on, Mm -hmm. you know, a a series and a kind of a high pressure Like you need to produce a show. How Mm -hmm. have you have you been able to balance that? I think. Having especially
1: being in an institutional structure where there's a lot of times where it's like, oh, you have to produce work right now. Yeah. And then, oh, you have winter break take a break, Stephanie. Yeah. Stop thinking about it for a little bit. And then yeah. summer, I think I definitely work in um I also work really seasonally. So during the winter, I'm a I'm a super outdoorsy person. I love hiking. I love going on road trips and camping. And I can't I I can, but I don't particularly enjoy doing that when it's cold. And so yeah. I, use I think of it as my, this is my work season. This is my season to produce and not be outside and to think about and reflect on the things that I experienced over the time when I take time off. So I think about it in terms of like, oh, it's winter and fall. This is my time to really hone in and, and work while the other times I'm able to give myself a break and just let myself, uh, but honestly, I, I was raised Catholic. I yeah. have a lot of Catholic guilt and I, um, I feel bad when I don't paint and when I don't make work and I think about it every single day yeah. and I don't want my work to be driven by guilt. I want my work to be driven by necessity and a need for reflection and a need for, like, contemplation. And so it's hard because it's I think that there's always that dilemma of making something that you enjoy or making something that's a hobby into a profession, because then it it's like, what's that overlap between work and play and Mm -hmm. and joy and and like grinding it out and and working on things? And sometimes it does feel like a chore and sometimes But the reality is most of the time I'm really having a great time (laughs) when I'm painting and I I really enjoy it. But I I do have a tendency to work to the point where I don't take care of myself, where I don't shower for like four days. (laughs) And then I'm like, oh, my goodness, I need to eat food and (laughs) go on a walk (laughs) It's like, oh, yeah. I'm a human that exists in a body. I need right. to actually take care of this meat vessel yeah. I exist in.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, like, I, I definitely I definitely resonate with that. Like, when I get really into a painting and I get really into the flow of something, I'll get lost in it. And then it's hard to... Mm-hmm. Then it's, like, hard to... Or I don't want to take a step back because I'm like, well, what if I don't get back into the flow again? Mm-hmm. Um, and then... It's, so it's always, like, a... It's a, definitely a balance all the time of, like how do you incorporate like play and fun into the painting so that it doesn't become a chore, Mm -hmm. but also recognizing that like you need to take breaks and you need to have like a bit more of like a scheduled thing with it too. And boundaries, I guess with painting, Mm -hmm. like I've kind of started setting some boundaries for myself personally, when it comes to commissions versus like personal work. Um, Because like my best work usually comes from like my personal work, like not commissions, because I give myself space to, you know, explore something new. So I've started mm-hmm. doing, like, Mondays. It's, it's counterintuitive because I feel like Mondays are always the days that are like, okay, you got to grind, get a lot done. But Mondays are the days I don't do any commissions. It's just, like, whatever I want to work on that day for a series that I'm excited about. And then there's other days of the week that I allow myself to, you know, work on commissions. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, I think it sounds like you've – you know working on setting boundaries for yourself do you see that this how do you see i know it's like tough to predict the future obviously but like how do you see oh okay you you go Aaron, but how do you like foresee the transition from institutional like painting into (laughs) like real life you know irl painting irl painting yeah i'd
2: love you to kind of incorporate kind of like what like you're graduating Dun, dun, yeah. Like, yeah. what do you hope and see? Like, how are you going to keep that creativity going that your are painting? Um, do you have plans? Um, beca- and also knowing that you, op- you work best with your s- seasonal style. So how is that mm-hmm. something you can keep alive and keep going in-, in IRL?
1: Yeah, so I am moving back to Chicago after I graduate to move in with my partner and I, he lives in, currently in a three bedroom apartment with a roommate. And so his roommate is actually planning on moving in with his girlfriend uh, in the in August. So there'll be an extra room, which I'm going to uh, co-opt it to be a makeshift studio space. While I figure my life out, mm-hmm. I plan on getting a job. So I think when I move back to Chicago, my whole MO is going to be giving myself designated hours for applying to jobs and getting that day job going and figuring out ways of making money and figuring out uh, different platforms for selling my work on and applying to shows. So I'm going to have a pretty strict schedule. Actually, once I graduate, I'll probably take it like a couple weeks off to decompress after making these really big paintings just for just because Stephanie, love yourself. Yeah. Um, Stephanie, love yourself
2: weeks. (laughs) Yes, exactly.
1: Uh, And I think that I'm going to reach out to a bunch of people back in Chicago that I and friends with and are in the art world quote unquote to try and figure out where my place will be in that reality. Honestly, it's it's pretty intimidating because there is a safety to being in school. There is a safety to existing in a place where you can fuck up and like it's going to be fine. Um, But the real world is a lot more tricky. And the nice thing about it is my partner is super supportive, and he's been buying um, power tools so that I can make stretcher bars. Oh, that's so nice. He's been also <laughs> buying like embroidery machines because I'm really I also make like stuffed animals. Fun fact. Well, that's <laughs> good. That's um, yeah. so and
2: cool. And
1: so I'm definitely planning on getting that Etsy going. Yeah, do it. And my side hustle is also I make earrings. And so I have a lot of creative outlets that are very marketable. So I'm hoping that day job plus uh, side hustles plus painting equals
0: surviving. You're going to be fine. I mean, you have so many... Like, you're multi-talented, and I also find mm-hmm. that, like, as artists, we get bored really easily. Yes, <laughs> so, like, I, I feel like when you, yeah. you'll be able to, like, when you can mix it up, like, the way you're talking about, I think... Guilty. Do you feel excited <laughs> about actually having a lot of different things to do? Yeah. Or, well, yeah.
1: okay, here's the here's the real secret. Don't tell anyone. Um, I definitely make my earrings during Zoom meetings or, like, during <laughs> my class, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because yeah. I... I thrive under multitasking, and so I can be engaged and listen and participate while also doing something with my hands really helps. Like I was that weirdo in art school who would like knit during art history. And I just love doing, I love making things. I just feel really good when I make things and I, I try and channel that energy in everything that I do. And so... Yeah, I, I, I love having a bunch of different things going on. It, it's exciting. My partner also got, I'm really, I went through a huge embroidery phase over the summer where I taught myself how to cool. embroider. <sighs> and I was like embroidering paintings. And I, uh, my partner got a embroidery machine because we collect patches. Oh, cool. And so we're going to start making patches when I go over there. And so that'll be another side of hustle. We're kind of, we're actually thinking about like making a shop for the both yeah. of us based off of all the different things that we make and kind of figuring out what our brand is and how we want to use that as a means of creating,
0: you know, That's a so salary exciting.
1: for ourselves.
0: That's okay. so exciting. And it's That's cool that you have someone to do that with too. Yeah. But I think it's exciting. I mean, like, I I think creative people, like, like the, the possibilities are endless because it's not like... Mm-hmm yes we are we are both painters but i also i have like a, a bunch of ideas like i also love to bake so we're
2: all but that's the thing is like that's like our, our artist yes. problem <laughs> like i feel like there's always so much running through our brains that we're just like oh i can do this i want to do this but it's like do you want to just it's tough to. it can be
0: hard to like it's hard to pick one and it's you don't yeah to. i yeah. can
2: tell you that for myself i'm like i don't want to pick one because i'll get bored <laughs> yeah yeah to be honest i'll get bored if i just pick one um
0: it's tough. It's I'm tough surprised. being so talented. You should,
2: Julia, yeah. you take I'm surprised
1: I'm not bored with painting, honestly. Like, Me? Yeah. I, I've gone through so many phases in my life where I was like, Oh, I was real as a kid I wanted to have like a cupcake drop. <laughs> or like no, I wanted to tired. Yeah, I know. There's just so many different ideas and things and I somehow landed on painting and frankly I'm really impressed and surprised I've not gotten bored of painting
0: I am surprised I I totally agree with you I'm also very surprised by that but I think there's something about painting that it kind of is like the well I dip I keep dipping into to like stoke my creativity in a weird way I don't know what it is about it but it's like I the more I paint the more creative I feel versus like drained from it It's like the base. I feel like the
2: painting is the base. Like you need it all the, like you need it, but then you supplement in other areas, if that makes sense Mm -hmm. to feel like, because you're not going to get bored of that, but your other things that you do outside of painting, because it's not what you do every minute of the day. Well, some of us. (laughs) I (laughs) (laughs) think, Stephanie, right now you might be doing it every minute of the day. (laughs) But like, you know, you, your passion, like I think that it goes back to the whole play of the balance of work, but loving what you work, but still, you know, you still need boundaries. And I think a lot of people have witnessed this, experienced this during COVID, is with everyone working from home right now, there's no boundaries of like, I have to go home and leave my desk. Um, Sure, Mm -hmm. it's a little bit more in the corporate world um, because they have those set hours, but I think it's just giving those boundaries and I, was going somewhere with this and I just completely drew a huge point. No, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I feel like you, you landed, you landed. Okay, you landed.
0: landed. <laughs> I know where you're, I know where you were going with that. And it made sense to me. It's like, w- because we are so multi-talented, it's easy to just like continue to work and work yes. and work and like, just be creative all the time. But it's like,
2: because
0: you, it. you enjoy it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's also having a, being in a relationship. That's another thing I'm a little concerned about moving to Chicago <laughs> and with my partner because, I mean, we're both doing our things right now, right? And then we're going to combine and being in a relationship, especially with him, we can get sucked into our own little vortex. Yeah. And making sure also we set boundaries for ourselves so we have time to create and we just don't fall into a pit of watching movies and eating fried rice all the time oh, because that can true. totally happen. Yes.
2: And now I it practice. is great
0: is your is your partner also <laughs> I. Mean, it sounds like he's a creative, creative person but is he also an artist or what does he do as a mm-hmm. profession so
1: he's in the film industry okay. he's a he's a grip or a gaffer yeah, yeah. he works in uh like lighting and setting things up and um he does a lot of manual labor for film sets and so See, it's exactly. very big based yeah, he know. works TV, so he did like Fargo. He worked on okay. um,
2: so like a, a
1: bunch of different shows. Long yeah, days. but <laughs> yes, super long days. But the thing is, it's like when he's working, it's long days. I don't see him at all. Mm-hmm. But when he isn't working,
0: he's like really not he's there working. all the time. Yeah, he's yeah. not
1: working, mm-hmm. and he's not getting paid because it's based off of the show you're on. Exactly. Because it's COVID. Yeah, and COVID has like pretty much stopped all a lot of the filming that's going on and when he was working they were testing him three times a week and if anyone tested positive it was game over yeah and so it's just tricky and so it's a it's a weird balancing act and so he's also kind of going a little stir crazy right now because it's like the outlet in which he uses to help create in this really hyper creative, like collaborative medium isn't active right now. So he's trying to figure out different ways of supplementing and like putting that energy into something. So he he has a film production company that Mm -hmm. he started with his friend and they are figuring out like making short skits right now and just trying to get the ball rolling and keep creating because unlike our mediums where it takes us to make that like Mm -hmm. you can't just do that with film you need more people you need you need more hands on deck
0: and it's a quick pace too oh yeah it's like you only have a certain amount of time on a set (laughs) that you've been like you've paid to be there and like you know the money time is money kind of thing so it's like you've got to be quick and yeah, that's just not my, that's not my ML. <laughs> it's just, yeah. like, so I was going to get at it. like, it kind of sounds like you guys are like different. You aren't like exactly the same. So I think you guys will probably be fine. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. uh, I know well, my boyfriend is not creative in like the traditional sense. Like he's, <laughs> but like, I mean, he's like creative in other ways, but he's, he's like in property management. But I think we actually do mm-hmm. better because of that, because we work differently. Yeah. Um, so that when we come together, a, it just makes things more interesting. And we all also aren't like all up in each other's business. Like I have a different yeah. way of like wanting to be That's alone so and do my own thing. Um, so I feel like, mm-hmm. it, I think you'll be good. I think it'll work well. It sounds like
2: yeah, and together. I live with a lawyer, yeah. So it couldn't be any more opposite. Yeah. So. Yeah. you yeah. People are like, how and I'm like, eh, I just do my own thing. Like, it's just, I don't get upset yeah. about stuff I'm like whatever. Like, yeah. um, Someone actually asked me the other day, they're like, oh, wow, well, you guys couldn't be any more opposite. I was like, balance. Yeah. It's just, you know. Yeah.
0: Like- I swear to God, I think the relationships where there's, like, a healthy <laughs> amount of, like, yin and yang, I think usually works, like, pretty pretty well. But.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I will know. say my partner and I are actually very similar. Okay. <laughs> We're actually, like, a little too much like each other sometimes to the point where I think we see the problems. Well, I think we see what we don't like in ourselves and the other person at times. And so we kind of get on each other about that. And I think we have been learning to work through that because we're both like kind of hyper-perfectionists and we like things a certain way. And Mm -hmm. when the other person doesn't like it exactly the way we like it, we get frustrated about that. And so we're learning the art of compromise. (laughs) The art of compromise,
0: yeah. I think I could have a whole, I could have a whole episode or we should have a whole episode sometime about like, like being a creative person and like living with somebody else, you know, like balancing a relationship (laughs) when you're creative and like how that, how that all works. Because I think a lot of people like, I mean, I think you're lucky in a lot of ways that you have somebody who like can really relate to what you're doing, but it can also be hard, like, because maybe you get competitive with each other about things or like they, sometimes you just want them to say like, oh, it looks great sweetie. Exactly. <laughs> and then, like, leave it alone. Yeah, versus, exactly. Like...
1: <laughs> Instead of, like, critiquing it. Yeah, it's like, I don't I want don't... you to
0: critique it. Just tell me it looks good and we'll leave it there. Um, and, like, versus sometimes it's nice because, like, when I show, like, my boyfriend Kirk something, he's like, looks good to me. You know, like, he doesn't, he <laughs> can't, like, go uh-huh. to that level with me. And then sometimes I want him to. So it's all about, like, you know, balancing it. But, um, yeah.
1: And there's just a, like a very specific language I think that is found in talking about painting and where you're not necessarily privy to that language, then you're like, <laughs> yeah, you sound what like you sort of sound, say?
0: you sort of sound, even sometimes I hear myself, I'm like, I sound so pretentious right now. <laughs> I don't know. I also, I, I follow this, all these memes on Instagram of like how like antiquated like painting can feel sometimes like compared mm-hmm. to other creative mediums. But I definitely think there's something to it that, we all can't explain but like we said before it's like the well we dip into to stay creative and i also think it just like brings like the hand that like how much we like you said infuse ourselves into it by just like the personal touch and uniqueness it's an
1: experience yeah like art is experience i just read this um i read the first two chapters of this book called uh against interpretation by susan Sontag and that she makes some pretty bold statements and a lot of it i don't agree with but it was made it was written during the 60s and what she's essentially saying is that we need to stop just thinking about art as content yeah. or context and it's like you you're not you're not looking at the art as a means of just interpreting it and distilling it into mm-hmm. the message you're trying to get across it's an experience in and of itself and being in front of a painting and seeing a painting or any work of art is a bodily reaction that your physical body is reacting. And so your experience and the way you perceive and the way you think about it is totally based off of your bodily reaction and all of the experiences you had that are brought to this work of art. And I think that within institutionalized art and and being in an MFA program, there's so much emphasis on like, what is the meaning behind this? Yes. Like, what is your intention behind this? And it's it's not just about that. It's also about the right. formality and like the like the development of what you're trying to do. And I think so much of that gets lost a lot of times. I do think it's important to have honestly, like formal skills when it comes to painting. Yeah. I think that's really important. And I think all that practice
0: you know, only helps to contribute and elevate the work that you're experiencing. Yeah. And I also think that in speaking about the bodily reaction, as we said, like, unfortunately, a lot of art, like, a lot of my work just exists online currently. Mm-hmm. It's only already it exists in the home of the person who buys it. And so it's yeah. interesting to have... To have to work in a medium that like you just said is very much an experience and it's totally different mm-hmm. to see it in person than to see it online and how mm-hmm. to convey that and anyway I'm excited for you to have your exhibit and hopefully you can still have people you know come and see your you know your work in person and, and enjoy it fingers that way. crossed yes
2: <laughs> art cam I'm still all about this live stream I think you should live stream it yeah I yeah I, I will <laughs> you
0: should yeah, I'll definitely live thing.
2: stream
1: it
0: I'll share it with y'all yeah so that'd it's be a different
2: that. experience but an experience nonetheless yeah
0: thank you so much and I mean we're really ex- I'm I'm super excited about your new body of work and I can't wait to see I wait to see the other four more paintings you have or three
2: more paintings you have one <laughs> seven four,
0: four, four more. more I can't wait to see the, the the first the first three are fabulous I can't wait to see the the the, the rest of them and um
2: and how it all set up and how it that experience how, is created. yeah mm-hmm. and we yeah. really
0: appreciate you taking time to talk to us again <laughs>
1: So, no, yeah see. I'm happy to I think you we should have a follow-up on living with
2: a partner and being a creator. No, yes I'd
0: actually would down. love that I would I love said, that
2: just with girls plus Stephanie
0: yeah before oh, you yeah. go please plug your social your website <laughs> everything
1: <laughs> all right so you can find my work on Instagram at S-S broussard b-r-o-u-s-s-a-r-d and then you can also check out my work on my website which is Stephanie N-E-T dot was taken by a real estate agent in Louisiana <laughs> um,
2: oh, but yeah te- check me out give me a holla
0: yeah <laughs> definitely we'll
2: have, um, her contact social uh, handles in
0: our show notes yep.
2: yeah
0: yeah definitely cool. and you should definitely follow her to see like as we reference in this show all the amazing work and we also will be showing some of your work on our Instagram, at jessogirls, so you can go see it there. Um, But thank you again, Stephanie. We really appreciate it, and we'll talk soon.